This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name's Anna Hawkin, and I'm part of the team here at Parenting for Faith. Now, you might not recognise that name or my voice, because I've had a little bit of a break from uh, podcast land. I've been on maternity leave for the last nine months with my third child. But I am super excited to be back because we are relaunching this Parenting for Faith podcast with a whole new season. So you can think about the hundreds of episodes that have been before over the past three years as season one. Do go back and browse those if you've got a moment. There's so much goodness in there. But we wanted to try and dig some of that out for you. So this is going to be a greatest hits season. So we've looked through um, all the podcasts that you've most liked, most commented on. Uh, we're going to go back to some interviews that you've really enjoyed and give you extended versions. You're going to hear from a whole range of voices, the Parenting for Faith team, but lots of guests as well. And we're going to chuck in some brand new stuff in there as well. So if you've had a favourite um, podcast episode or a, um, a question or something, do get in touch with us because we'd love to include your favourites in there. And do keep sending us your questions. We're going to be doing the question and answer um, section as well. So anything about helping your children to meet and know God and spiritual parenting. So you can get in touch via our website. There's a contact us page by email at parentingforfaith@brf.org.uk or on social media. Just drop us a direct message on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. So uh, we're going to have a whole range of episodes, some really classic stuff like the Bible and Chat and Catch, which is Parenting for Faith Speak for Prayer. And we're going to go in a few different angles as well. We're going to be looking at siblings and sin and gadgets and gaming. And there are going to be some age specific or situation specific ones. So we're going to be looking at teens or toddlers or babies or um, families with children with additional needs. So some of those won't be you. And if it isn't you, can we ask you a massive favour could you take 30 seconds and send it to a friend? Just think, if you know anyone who knows a baby, send them the baby's episode, uh, and then you can scroll on past and listen to the other episodes that are relevant to you. But that would really help us to uh, reach those people. And if you don't know anyone in any of those categories, uh, you can help us out instead by rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the podcast, as that really helps other people know we exist too. So we're going to kick off this season with an episode on the Bible. I mean, what is the bigger greatest hit or the bigger classic than the Bible itself? So we're going to hear first from Rachel Turner, the founder of Parenting for Faith, who you're used to hearing from. Uh, and she's going to give us a bit of a heads up on how the Bible was made and how to chat to your kids about it. That might be something you know loads about, it might be totally new to you, um, but she's got a really helpful way of explaining that. Then we're going to hear from Ollie Goldenberg, who's got decades of experience and wisdom in children's ministry. Um, along with his wife, Helen, they run a ministry called Children Can that many of you will be familiar with. And he's going to be sharing how to help our kids to find answers in the Bible for themselves. And then finally, we're going to hear from another member of our team, Becky Sedgwick. who's going to share how we can help our kids understand the whole story or the big picture of the Bible to help us and to help them make sense of it. And as usual, there'll be a question to ask your kid to start an interesting conversation. 
So without further ado, over to you, Rachel. So today I wanted to just talk a really brief overview of how the Bible was made. How do we how do we get the Bible that we have right now? Because we have storybook Bibles and all the word Bibles and all the things that we have our kids with. And there's maybe something that you want to frame for them of, of how did all of these different books come together into the thing we have now. So you have to think about what it was like right after Jesus came. Jesus came, he died, he rose again, he ascended into heaven. And at some point, all of his followers were like, whoa, the Holy Spirit came. They were scattering across so many different countries, uh, planting churches and doing things and trying to figure out Jews and Gentiles. They had all these confusing things going on and they began to write letters to each other. Uh, the church fathers began to write letters to encourage and support and give advice and wisdom and people were writing down their memories of Jesus and it was all flying around, but it was just all flying around. Uh, the Old Testament had been closed. The Jewish people had gone on this journey of deciding, you know, what is scripture, what to put your feet on, what to memorize. And so between 400 and 100 BC, they had done all of their absolute deciding about what is scripture and what isn't. Uh, and even when the uh, the Middle East was taken over by the Greeks. Uh, then the Hebrew scriptures were translated into Greek, which is the Old Testament Bible that Jesus had. So when he was quoting scripture, he more than likely was was quoting the Septuagint, the Greek version of it. Uh, so the Old Testament was pretty solid for the, for the early church, but it was the the New Testament. This this just collection of letters and stories and memories of Jesus that they were trying to build an understanding of who God was, who Jesus was, and what that meant for them. How do you do that when you actually don't have a set of writings that you absolutely know is right? Um, even now, when we look back at the early record, we can see that there are over 70 pieces of writing that claim to be gospels, 70. And so you had all of these different stories, some vastly contradict each other. And so how do you do that? How do you provide for an early church who needs something to put their feet on, who needs to know what is right and what is wrong? And so uh, around around 100 AD, there was this ship owner guy who was like, I'll solve this problem and sort of grabbed together a bunch of writings, put them into a sort of conglomeration of it and was like, hurrah, here's scripture, and then sort of wrote his own bits too. And the church fathers were horrified and were like, whoa, 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 if anyone can do that, we probably should do that. So they began to talk about it and get together and we began to see this like 300-year refinement of scripture. Sometimes they all got together and had big debates. Sometimes they just talked about it. And you can see in the bishops' letters to each other, uh, the lists, they're like, hey, what, what, what kind of list do you use? And they're like, I use these lists. And they're like, oh, interesting. I use these lists. And you can sort of see this progress of them defining more and more and more what they use. And eventually they started getting together in councils. And by 397, we see sort of councils coming together and of church, wise church people going, okay, let's let's get a thing. Let's like nail this thing down. And so they had to come up with criteria. What criteria would you use if you were on this council? What would you sit around and go, okay, let's sift through these hundreds of letters and reports and, and concepts of Jesus. And, and how do we decide what is right and what is wrong hundreds of years after Jesus walked the earth? And they decided on three criteria. One, 
was it written by people who actually knew Jesus? Um, were, was it one of his apostles, one of his disciples? Was it, was it somebody who was there? Or was it someone who sat down with someone who was there and wrote down what they said? So that was one. Authorship was really big. Uh, Hebrews, we still don't 100% know who wrote Hebrews. And therefore, it was, it, it, there was a debate about whether or not Hebrews was going to get in because it, it didn't fit one of the three criteria. They decided to let it in. Uh, number two uh, was, is it consistent with the other scripture? Is it consistent with the Old Testament? Is it consistent with, uh, with the other bits of scripture that we're feeling is scripture? Does it, does it make sense or is it wildly different than everything else? And number three was sort of the wisdom of the church. Is it in general use? Can you look at India to Egypt to Greece and see that churches all over have generally accepted that this feels right, that this is scripture. And when all three of those things came together, they thought, yep. So if, if the gospel of Jobab was only being used in uh, southeastern Egypt, then they were like, mm, I think probably not, because like other people have thought, no. And so they just took these three. Is it is it a good authorship? Is it consistent with scripture? Is it in general use and refined it down and refined it down and debated and talked and talked and talked about it. Uh, Revelation came a bit later, not in 397. It was sort of in there, but it really sort of got solidified around 500. But it, it became something that we could grab onto and put our feet on and say, this is what we feel is scripture. This is what is going to improve my life, is going to speak God's words to me. And so between this Old Testament wisdom and this New Testament wisdom, it got translated into Latin, it got translated into English. Uh, eventually, it is the Bible we have today. There are extra books that didn't quite get in, but some uh, churches feel are still useful and wise. They're called the Apocrypha, some are the Pseudepigrapha. They they are extra books that some churches use. Some have them sort of uh, in their in their Bible books as a sort of extra little section. Some you know have them as a separate book, and uh, there are those that you can look up. You can just type in uh, apocrypha or pseudepigrapha, and those are the ones that people said. I don't think this is one hundred percent scripture, but I do think it's interesting and helpful, and so people put that in there. Uh, but our 66 books of the Bible were solidified a very long time ago by a bunch of wise people who had to sift through and form something for us to put our feet on because in the early church didn't have it. So there you go. You are now wise and smarter than you were before. Uh, or maybe you all knew that and are just rolling your eyes at me. But uh, as you uh, pick up storybook Bibles and as you read the Bible to your kids, uh, talk about that and say, you know, I'm so grateful that um, some wise people sat down before and prayed and said, God, what is your scripture? So that this isn't just something that was written that we question. This is hundreds and hundreds of years of wise people praying and seeking. And they put it together for us so that we can read God's words. Isn't that great? Uh, so I'm here with Ollie Goldenberg and we've had a question sent in from a parent who's asked, how do I equip my kid to find answers for themselves in the Bible? Okay, great. This, this is a really good question. And actually, this is leading to a place of spiritual maturity, isn't it? Mm. If, if, we, if I think of what I want for my children is that they have a heart after God, and that will be shown through their worship life, their prayer life, and their turning to the word for answers. Everything else kind of spills out from that. 
Mm. Um, whether it's what they're catching from God, uh, the catching chats that Rachel talks about, all of that spills out from those things being like center foundation. So this, this is a really key question. The first thing I want to encourage you to do is this. Show your children how you find answers in the word yourself. And what I mean by that, for me, with my kids, um, when, when I'm reading through the Bible and there's a verse that kind of stands out and slaps me around the face and I get all excited about it, whilst I'm excited about it, I bring it to my kids and go, oh, have you found this verse? <laughs> and they hear this kind of, this splurge of me talking with excitement about what I've found in God's word, which is infectious. Yeah. When someone else is excited, it's infectious for you. And so that's led my children to wanting to read the Bible for themselves and to dig into the word for themselves and to find out what it says for themselves. And so we make that a, a pattern in our family, that we are a family who regularly read scripture, both as individuals and, and separately. Mm. Um, the second thing to do then is to model, and I think you guys talk about windows in Parenting for Faith, to, to model how you find answers to not just being the excited about scripture, but I was struggling with this and I went to the Lord and prayed about it. And this is the verse that's come to me. And this is how I'm I'm chewing it over and thinking, what does this actually mean? It says to love my enemies. This person's annoying me. What does it actually mean to love them? I'm thinking about how I can do this mm. so that we're framing things in terms of scripture. Then the, the third thing, and so you can see I'm kind of building this up in, in layers. If we just come in at the, the kind of top of, now you go to the Bible, go and have a read and find your own answer. Most kids are going to look at the Bible and go, Mm, what? Where do I begin? Yeah. They'll be doing the random, open it at any page and see what I can find thing. But the, the third thing then is to sit with our children when they're going through something and um, not beat them over the head with Bible verses, but to show them how Bible Bible verses actually relate to what they're going through at the moment. Um, so if they are struggling with being bullied at school, we can look at things that talk about loving your enemies. Well, that's not an easy. Do good to those who hurt you. Well, that's not an easy verse either. It's mm. not necessarily one we would go, Mm, this is this is what you must. I don't hear many people actually advising in this kind of way. Yet when we we have scripture as our foundation, it becomes um, a life force for us because we're tapping into what God has for us. Mm. And so our children grow through that, even though it may seem hard at the time. Um, and then then the real ultimate is then when they're digging through and you say, hey, have you found anything in scripture as they're growing a little bit? Up? Have you found a verse that that helps you? Is there a story you can think of any, of anyone else who felt like that everyone was against them or maybe even wild lions were against them? You're thinking, you know, you're going into the lion's den in your school, aren't you, with the way people are treating you? What what happens at there? Oh, I know Daniel. And so we're kind of asking those open questions that maybe prompt them towards Bible stories that they know mm. until they get to the next stage, which is they're then coming to us and saying, have you seen this? This is happening. Or have you thought, well, I've been thinking about this, Dad. Um, my kids now, they come with me and they, they bring such revelation from the scripture um, because they're digging for it themselves. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've got to share just one. Go ahead. Um, Go for it. Just, love to hear this, is, this, is, I mean, this is not a specific answer to a problem, but it's an insight that one of, one of my sons came. He came to me and said, Dad, how many um, temples are there in the Old Testament? And I was quite pleased because I knew the answer to this one. <laughs> so I said, oh, there's three. There's, a, there's Solomon's temple, the first one. There's the one rebuilt under Nehemiah. And then there's the third one which is um, uh, Ezekiel's temple, the one that's still to come. And uh, he, said, he said, oh, no, there's way more than that. I'm like, no, they're not. <laughs> he said, no, no, there is. He said, what's a temple, Dad? And I'm going, um, well, it's, uh, um, uh, okay, what is a temple, son? <laughs> he said, Dad, a temple, isn't it where there is the concentrated, manifest presence of God? I'm like, that's a temple. Yeah, I agree with you there. <laughs> he said, okay, so the first temple was the whole earth because the spirit hovered over the waters of the Amna. 
whoa, yeah, the first temple is Earth itself. The second temple is the Garden of Eden. So I, I guess I'm saying this to say our children, I think sometimes we have a tendency to think they won't engage with Scripture because they've tried and it was boring. Yeah. But if we get them enthusiastic about Scripture because of our love and our joy for it and our way of pulling insights out of it, they're going to pick up on this. And when they start to run with it for themselves, then when they have a need, they will know where to turn to find it. All scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God will be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In other words, stick yourself in God's word and you're going to be ready for everything God's got for you. The word of Psalm 119 verse 105 says, um, "God's your word is a light to my feet, a lamp to my path. Mm. When God's word is in our children, the, those Hebrews describe it this way, by reason of use have learned to discern right from wrong. Um, we really have to help our children to engage with God's word in, in these ways so that it's more than just hearing the stories, but there's, there's an excitement of what treasure God's going to reveal to them. And then when there's a need, then they know where to go. Yeah. And yeah. what you've explained so well there is not just throwing them in the deep end as well, you know, yeah. uh, like teaching them to swim. It's step by step. You're showing them how you do it and then and then helping them along the way and just being so yeah. open to their questions and exploring your own questions as well. Uh, we've got Absolutely. lots of that on our website, and I think it's such a, a great way for them to learn and explore themselves. And it gets even more exciting when they start pointing to other people yeah. and saying, hey, here's a Bible verse that you need for you. So it's not just about my own needs, yeah. but they're now looking out to see how can God's word help other people through what they're going through. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you, Ollie. It's Becky here from the Parenting for Faith team and I'm going to uh, tell you a little story about a shopping trip I took just before Christmas and what that's got to do with the Bible. So a few weeks before Christmas I was um, in an unfamiliar town. I'd been away from where I lived for, for a meeting and I was driving in an area I didn't know but and at the back of my mind like most of us Christmas time I had this kind of little shopping list going oh I need to pick up stocking fillers, I need to pick up some batteries, I need, and there was some household goods, there was some food. I'm like, when am I going to find time to find all those things? And then out of the corner of my eye, I saw an out-of-town shopping mall, and it had one of those big kind of budget superstores, and I'm like, that's the place. So I drove in, parked up and got out, and I got to the, the shop, and it was a window of promise. In the window, there was everything. There was food, there was gardening equipment, there was furniture, there was bedding, toiletries, stationery, uh, pet accessories, everything you could ever want seemed to be in this shop. And I went in, yes, this is going to be the place. So I went in and it was the most frustrating shop I've ever been in. For a start, the aisles weren't laid out systematically. There was an upstairs and a downstairs. And, and so I walked in and straight away the aisles forced me to turn left. And then I had to turn right. And it became like a little maze. It wasn't logical. You couldn't say, I want to get from this side of the shop to the other and just cut across. And then between the aisles, the shelves were really high. So you couldn't get a glimpse. So it was really hard to know how where you were going. And secondly, there was no real, there was no signage that I could see that was helpful. So there wasn't a big dangling sign saying pet food or toiletries or anything. So it was it, you couldn't just take a glance across and see, oh, that's where it is. And that was the thing. It was the most frustrating shop. Oh, and the other thing was that things weren't in a logical order in my brain. So I expect stationery to be next to books, to be next to wrapping paper and stuff like that. But it wasn't like that. So, 
you know, you'd get to the bedding department and think next you'll find toiletries or something. And it wasn't like that. So it was a very, very frustrating experience because in that shop, I knew they had everything I needed, but I just couldn't lay my hands on it. And in the end, I left really frustrated with just a couple of bits because I just couldn't fathom this shop out. So what's that got to do with the Bible? Well, I do wonder whether sometimes the Bible can feel like that confusing shop. It's big. It's got everything we need in it. We know it's got stories and wisdom and guidance and theology and history and it helps us understand who God is and who we are. It's got everything we need, but it can be really confusing. We all know that. It's, it's got vastly different bits in it and, and some bits relate to other bits and some bits seem very random, like Ezekiel and the wheels with eyes. I've never really understood that bit. And it can be difficult to navigate. But at the same time, we know that God's given us this, this amazing book because it's full of his wisdom and his goodness for us. And we want to share it with our kids. It's an excellent book. We want our kids to learn to access it and, and find in it everything God has for them. But it can be hard to know how to help kids make sense of the Bible. And one of the most important things we ever do is to help them see how we make sense of it. But there's another thing we can do, which I've personally found incredibly helpful. And it's called telling the whole story. So basically, the idea is that within all the millions of stories in the Bible and all the different genres and everything else, there is one whole story. And once we understand that, then the world not just the Bible, the world and us and God and how things work, make a lot of sense. So I'm just going to share with you the six points of the story and the way that I remember them is to link them or hook them up to one of the big Bible stories so I can remember them. So here goes. The first point is that God is love and he made us out of his great love. And that, of course, is the story of creation. Point number two, people walked away from God. So the world is now totally messed up. And that story is the fall. Point number three, Jesus cleared a way for us to be close to God again. And for me, that story is the crucifixion and particularly the torn veil when the, the veil of the temple is ripped in two so we can have access to God again. Point number four, God is active in the world and we can partner with him to transform it. And I like to remember the story of Jesus and the disciples going around, changing people's lives through their love, and their encouragement, their healing and the miracles. Point number five, God gives us power through his Holy Spirit to join in with his work. And of course, that's the story of Pentecost. And point number six, one day it will all be the way God meant it to be forever. And that's the story of Revelation. And I found that once I understood those six points and how they related to each other, not just the Bible, but the world began to make more sense. I, was, I had better answers to big questions. And the nice thing about the whole story is it's simple enough for the smallest child to understand. God loved us. He made us. The world got messed up. But Jesus decided to do something about it. And God wants us to join with him. He empowers us through the Holy Spirit. And one day. One day it'll all be back as he meant it to be forever. Fantastic story that anyone can understand. And it's a story that helps us answer some really big questions that even the smallest person needs answers to. So, for example, if a child says, but if God loves me, how come is that grandma get ill? 
instead of having to wade into the theology of suffering, we can frame our answer using the big story. You can say, well, we know that God loves us. He loves you. He loves grandma. But the world's broken and bad things happen. But we can pray for grandma. We can hug her. We can help with the things she can't do. And whatever happens, we know that one day the world will be exactly back as God wanted it to be forever. And that includes grandma. So that's just a quick dive into the whole story. There's loads more on the website. Rachel in particular, Rachel recorded a Facebook Live for parents and carers, which explores how we can share the whole story with all age groups. We'll put some links in the website, but have fun with the Bible. And a question to ask your kid to start an interesting conversation this week. If you could pair up with someone from the Bible, a bit like Anton Deck or Batman and Robin, or use an example of something they're into, who would it be and why? Have a great conversation. Have an amazing week. If you want to dig in more um, into helping your kids or teenagers connect with the Bible, just go to parentingforfaith.org forward slash topics forward slash Bible. See you next week. Bye. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight session course, to get in touch or to find out about training and events near you. Mm -hmm.